This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Yeah. Hello. Hello. I have very important news from Great Scream New York City headquarters <laughs> in Manhattan. Okay. Uh, you're in the auxiliary headquarters upstate, but yeah. I'm down here in the big city, and I have very important news, which is that I've been up since 4 a.m., and I have not sat down since then, and in Whee! fact, I'm not sitting down now. It's a standing podcast. No sitting. Sitting, illegal. Sitting's illegal now, because I think if you sit ever you're gonna have seven years of bad luck do people do still do the standing desk thing i think so i want to get one i was just telling ezra but i don't want to come off like too much of a tech bro on our because that could be a superstition depending on what the science is behind this uh well first before uh we speak into superstitions hello welcome to the great american scream (laughs) (laughs) i'm Devin wright my name is adam o'connell uh happy thanksgiving this week I wrote back to the old grind in the outline. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Well, back to the old grind. I didn't think that Thanksgiving was the old grind. Uh, Please be smart this Thanksgiving. Stay home with people in your house. Eat mashed potatoes. Yes, please. Don't go to big family gatherings. And some cranberry sauce. Because that stuff slaps, even if it's straight from the can. Uh, Yeah, I would say it's superior when it's straight from the can. I also think that, but there are like some snooty people who like to, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, But if you didn't guess, uh, this week we are going to be talking about superstitions. Uh, Because earlier this month uh, we celebrated my birthday, which was on Friday the 13th this year. And Friday It was. I texted Adam about it very excitedly as if he didn't know that it was his birthday. I'm pretty sure that I was also born on Friday the 13th. And it's always 13 has always been my lucky number because it is my birthday. And also, since my uh, since my last name is in the middle of the alphabet on Uh like class rosters and stuff, I was usually number 13. Oh, so it's always been a lucky number for me. However, people are very, very afraid of the uh, number 13, especially when it's associated with Friday, Uh, especially when it's associated with hotel floors. Yeah, and it's had a negative connotation for centuries. Um, So I thought it'd be fun to kind of dive into where some of these famous superstitions come from and what makes humans so superstitious. Um, Let's do it. I would consider myself to be a little bit of a superstitious person, like a little stitious, as they say. Mm. Um, I'm usually one to believe more in things that bring you good luck rather than the things to avoid bad luck. So like I love black cats I don't mind breaking a mirror, but like whenever I throw, whenever I spill salt, I always throw it on my shoulder. Like, yeah, I actually feel, I feel like that's a really good way to describe. Like, I feel like I'm that way too. The positive stuff I'm all about. The only bad stuff I'm about is like theater stuff. Yeah. And we'll talk about theater superstitions too. But so what, let's define superstition. Let's do it. According to... I think Wikipedia and Webster's, um, it's a belief or practice resulting from a belief in magic, luck, or chance, or a false perception of causation. I love how they go in there and they're like, yeah, it could be spirituality, it could be this, or it could just be a false belief. Yeah. That's very powerful. 
Um, the earliest known use of the noun superstition coming from the Latin superstition. From the song. There yeah, from the Stevie Wonder song. I coined this term. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it came from Roman writers uh, Plautus and uh, Plautus and Ennius, I think, uh, and okay. later by Pliny the Elder, uh, with the meaning "the art of divination," which makes that sense. Divination, but <laughs> that wacky old son of a gun, Pliny the Elder. It means the art of divination, which makes sense because divination is some practice that is meant to help you tell the future. Yeah, in some way. So in a way, uh, superstitions help me tell the future, just not specifically, just whether or not that future will be lucky. Yeah. And it's definitely to do with luck, specifically, at least that kind of divination, like not Harry Potter divination, right, like not like, reading tea leaves or. Yeah, etc. Um, and humans didn't just suddenly so become superstitious, like at some point in history. Superstition has basically been around since humans started believing in religion and outside forces controlling what you do. So why are we so prone to superstitious thinking? Um, in 2013, psychologist uh, Daniel Kahneman published a book called Thinking Fast and Slow that popularized the theory of our ways of thinking having two main systems. So Wait, can I pause you right there and just yeah. talk about how it's such a shame to be a psychologist whose last name is Kahneman? Oh, Kahneman. <laughs> it could a be a shame. It could be pronounced a different way, but it looks like Kahneman. So, yeah. Well, sorry, Danny. Sorry, Danny boy. Uh, but so system... So our brains, our way of thinking has these two main systems. System one is our immediate gut reaction to the world. That is how we process stimuli when we get it and information when we receive it. It's the part of our brain that makes assumptions, stereotypes, and gut feelings. So uh, superstition tries to find, or system one rather, tries to find cause and effect patterns that make sense of the world, which is something that humans do. We always want to, like, we don't like to believe things happen for no reason. Um, for right, example, and this is conspiracy theories as well. Yeah, this are. is the example that I'll use to describe all these systems. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, for Christmas one year, I got this pair of uh, piano socks, socks that looked okay. like a piano that I loved. And the first time I wore them, I went out bowling and I bowled really good. And anyone who knows me will tell you that not only do I hate bowling, but I'm just horrendous at it. I do believe that I have asked you to go bowling and you have said you hated bowling. I hate bowling. I'll go <laughs> if like... The main activity isn't bowling. Like if we're hanging out, like if bowling is incidental, I'll go. But anyway, I'm a terrible bowler. And I don't like it. But in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, I wore these magical piano socks and they made How me bowl good. Not? Yeah. So system one then goes on to uh, it begs us not to tempt fate. Uh, this makes our brain come up with the worst possible scenarios for our actions. And it is very sensitive to irony. So now that I knew that I, I if I didn't wear my magical bowling socks, I wouldn't bowl good. Right. The irony being that pianos have nothing to do with bowling. Uh, the, irony, the irony? The irony being that if this happened to me more than once, which it did, I like my brain went, oh, I just know the second I go out bowling and not wear my magic piano socks, then I won't bowl good. Right. That makes that sense. Being the You're irony. kind of a like a rookie of the year. You had like a <laughs> it turns out it was some medical snafu in your foot. Caused yeah. by the weird piano socks. Uh, finally, system one thrives on confirmation bias. Um, so basically, as soon as we're proven right, even if we don't have enough information, that's what system one does. So uh, psychologist Jane Risen writes on superstition. Uh, when people think about their superstitious intuitions, they are likely to automatically retrieve examples from memory that support them. 
duh. Like, duh. so and we, therefore, and when also, I went out, no, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. The confirmation bias is also the idea that you dismiss the negatives. Exactly. That, that you only bring up the positive things. Yeah. Like you might have bowled seven times between all while wearing your piano magic socks, but you would have dismissed those as, oh, those are just flukes. My magic socks will save the day one of these days. Yeah. And but so as soon as I, it happened to me more than once when I bowled good in the magical bowling socks, and especially if I then went out not in the magical bowling socks and didn't bowl good, I got confirmation that they were obviously lucky. Yeah. Every single time you said the phrase bold good, my my little annoying uh, is it bold smart well? child. Yeah. Wanted to say uh, bold well. But then I remembered that we're on a goof podcast where we're talking about magic piano socks. What do you and I think the phrase bold good is correct. Because I also was thinking I was like, OK, I got a good score at bowling. That doesn't sound right either. Yeah, no, I I think a good score. I got a lot of pins also sounds wrong. Yeah, I. I did it. I had a dad score in bowling. Okay, that's like, fair. That my, sounds, my dad right. is in the PBA, so that's also why I like bowl, I hate bowling because everybody else in my family is really good and, at it, and, and I'm the black always, sheep. <laughs> your dad is always, come on, Adam. No, they've given up on me is the thing, is that my brother is re- a really good bowler, so they're hard on him to be really good. They've given up on me, so they don't care how bad I am at bowling anymore. So in a sense, I'm free, but like this extends to like my cousins and my aunts and uncles and extended family too. Everybody's good at bowling except for me. I have never heard a more on-brand thing for you and what I know of your family. That and for people from New Jersey. Some kind of a magic bowling family. And that like one day there will be a bowling tournament named like the O'Connell Orama and it'll be headlined by all O'Connells. It's also very on brand. Like if there were a magical bowling family, they would be from New Jersey, which they are. So And they are, and their names are the O'Connells. Yeah. So anyhow, um <laughs> meanwhile, system two is the slower, more rational part of your thinking that goes, socks don't make you better at bowling. And that's all System 2 does is in every person's brain it says socks don't make you good at bowling. It has nothing to do with psychology. That's just a part of everyone's brain. (laughs) So, but that's the thing is that Ryzen argues in her writing that we often willfully ignore System 2, even as rational adults. But why? So, like, the cost of indulging in superstitions is often very low, while the cost of not indulging in them is high. So, like... Nothing bad will happen to me if I wear the socks. It's just where other than they were ugly. It's just wearing the yeah. socks. But if I didn't wear them, uh, then I wouldn't bowl good and I would be humiliated in front of all my friends and family. Right, of, of course. So, and yeah, if it's, it, if, uh, it's, if, it's, if it costs, it costs nothing to throw salt over your shoulder. It's no big deal. So you're more likely to do it, especially if the risk of not doing it is high. Yeah. And it also it it also links to the fact that you're you know, you're making a choice that in your head, like it's easy to it's easy to make a small decision or do a small thing like throw salt over your shoulder or avoid stepping on a crack Mm -hmm. and think you're doing something positive for your life, even when you're not. Yeah, that feel goodness is is meaningful because humans are always trying to control the uncontrollable and this is where my no. this is where what? my this is where my socks example kind of falls apart because bowling is a skill that I had control over approving uh, improving. However, as a kid, Allegedly. to me, it was purely a game of luck. So I, I still think <laughs> bowling is still a game of luck in my mind. I've watched that video about the different oil the patterns, oil patterns. On, on bowling lanes and all the science. I've watched that video of the guy who goes, "God damn it, right." 
<laughs> number 18, are you kidding me? About 50 times, and I still think it's a game of chance. Yeah, so as a kid to me, it makes sense, even though bowling is a skill, technically. Allegedly. Sure. Yeah, allegedly. Um, <laughs> keep saying that. And also, many superstitions often have a long-standing tradition or history. If people before you have been doing it for years and there's no cost or risk to indulge in it, there's really no reason for you to stop doing it. And ones that are like grounded in some tradition have way more weight. Like, like you said that the risk is fairly small, but when they're ingrained like that, the risks seem way higher because there's this like cultural historical buy-in. Mm-hmm. The whole saying Macbeth in a theater, the fact that every single director I've ever met in my life believes that thing. To me, the risks are very high. The stakes yeah, okay. are very high in that situation. Yeah, and then, but it then again costs nothing or very little for you not to say Macbeth. Right, and the cost of not doing it is the Ned's Declassified episode, and somebody gets hit by a big log or something. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, what do they do? They're doing Romeo and Juliet in that one, I think. I do remember that. Corbin Blue is in that episode. Good for him. He's a memory kind of that just Spanning the me. Nickelodeon Disney chasm. Yeah, good for him. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm briefly interrupting to remind you that we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash greatscreenpod. There's tons of great perks for every single level from Q&A live streams to access to Adam's very in-depth, very fascinating outlines and early access to episodes. So go check it out. Once again, that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash greatscreenpod. Um, So people tend to attribute events to supernatural causes under two main circumstances. Uh, One, if it is more unlikely than likely. So the more surprising the event, the more likely we are to attribute it to some supernatural cause. So because like me throwing a strike was so very low, very very low chance, very surprising. We are therefore like. It, because duh there has to be some reason i'm suddenly good at bowling because usually i'm so terrible at it um and they don't my family did like or i cannot fathom the possibility that i just got better or threw a lucky throw right. and we they knew that definitely it was not because of your hard work yeah <laughs> so therefore it has to be the socks um and the other reason is if it is negative rather than positive um so Actually, like I said that I tend to believe more in positive superstitions, but humans in general are more likely to believe in them uh, if if it is about a negative outcome. My bowling example doesn't work here, but a very famous example. So uh, if you know about the curse of the Bambino, uh, so Red Sox fans attribute their failure of the Boston Red Sox to win the World Series for 86 years in a row to the curse of the Bambino, the curse placed on the team for trading Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees. Yeah. However, when they finally won in 2004, uh, their win was attributed to their skill and prowess, not breaking the curse somehow. Right. Even though uh, to me, as a lifelong Yankees fan, not a passionate one, don't come for me. <laughs> I like the fact that they purchase victory. I think that's very powerful of them. <laughs> yes. And I, they lost all those things because they were bad, not because of the curse of the Bambino. And they only won in 2004 because I think the pitcher was wearing magic socks that looked like pianos. Yeah. So uh, like in general, humans are much more likely to say that they failed something or something bad happened because of superstition. And then when something good happens, it's obviously because they are just so excellent at whatever it is that they're right, doing. Right, of course. And I, I I, think that I mentioned uh, conspiracy theories before, and I've mm-hmm. done a lot of research about conspiracy theories over the past like year or so because it's pretty relevant. So I do want to link it here because these things are definitely linked. 
that these really unlikely and normally negative things, it's very hard for us as, as human beings to accept that they had almost meaningless causes or to us small causes. So things like the JFK assassination are so big and so negative and changed the course of world history that it's hard for us to believe that it wasn't a big conspiracy theory. The same thing goes for stuff like QAnon, where <laughs> the world sucks and it's and it's very complicated and there are big and small and negative and positive causes for all the world's current things going on. But it's actually, for some reason, much simpler for a lot of people to interpret the world as a cabal of Satan-worshipping children eaters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and we always want to find out a reason for why these things happen. And in all likelihood, a lot of time there's just no reason. Or... It just happened, man. Yeah. So let's take a look at some famous kind of shared cultural superstitions and where they come from. Uh, we'll start with uh, the number 13 and Friday the 13th, since we already talked about it. Um, so this one's mostly a Western thing. Yep, it started when the first movie came out. <laughs> in 1970. So Friday the 13th, uh, it occurs on the calendar at least once a year. Um, any month that begins on a Sunday, we'll have a Friday the 13th because math. Whoa. Yeah. And it could, but math. it can appear in the calendar up to three times a year. So we're always going to have one Friday the 13th. I think we had two this year. I, I, I don't know. Trisk, uh, Triskaidekaphobia is the fear of the number 13 uh, with the uh -huh. belief that it brings bad luck. Uh, we don't know exactly, exactly. Like we can't pin down exactly where it came from, but there are some theories relating to myth and legend. Why should you yeah, make that face gonna, when I said Triskaidekaphobia? Because, because listen, I am a person with at least one phobia that is not medically diagnosed and is not considered diagnosable, which is the tryptophobia, like small holes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I understand that it's mostly just my animal brain not liking the holes and it's not an actual phobia. <laughs> so I understand people and their and their dislike when when other people say your phobia is fake or whatever. But come on, there's no it's a I know we're doing it. Yeah, well, see, when, when we say phobia, though, it doesn't, phobia. it doesn't necessarily because phobia, because when we talk about phobia in this kind of like casual sense, it can also right. um, be talking about just like anxiety or any any negative belief like can fall under like the phobia umbrella if we're not talking about a medical diagnosis of a phobia. Yeah. And there's something like to me, another thing I have is like a very slight hemophobia that like certain things with blood. And we talked about this on splatter films mm -hmm. do do have an effect on me. And and like so I get when people get into an elevator, they don't want to go to the floor on 13. But like that just means you're superstitious. Like it should be uh, it should. They're just you're just superstitious. We can put everybody into a big Venn diagram that just says superstitious. There doesn't need to be a smaller circle that says specifically afraid of the number 13. Well, so. Uh, the origins of it, according to uh, historian Donald Dosey, uh, superstitions around the number 13 originate from a Norse myth about 12 gods having a dinner uh, party in Valhalla. The trickster god Loki arrived uninvited and became oh, that, that huckster. Yeah. And became the uh, 13th guest and arranged for uh, Balder to be shot with an arrow. Oh uh, Balder 
Baldur died and the whole earth became dark. Therefore, 13 was considered to be unlucky in North mythology because Loki arrived as the uninvited 13th guest. And that's why in my family, whenever the 13th person sits down at the table, the first one to sit down has to take out a gun and shoot them in the chest. That's, uh, I mean, that's not the only theory. It may have also arisen from the Middle Ages, uh, originating from the story. So you're of the telling last. you that Uncle Joe died for nothing? Yeah, I mean, but all, in a similar way, it's also another dinner table one uh, because it originated from the Last Supper, uh, at which, ah. if you do not grow up Christian, there were thirteenth, uh, thirteen attendants uh, at the Last Supper before Judas betrayed Jesus. Yeah, and um, I call more like Judas. Yeah. That's what I call that guy because he's a real stinker. And, it was located at the uh, 13th of, uh, I want to say Nissan, but I don't think yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a Nissan Moundy Thursday, which is also what the uh, downtown uh, Joe Moundy, I don't know why I'm using Joe, Joe Moundy, uh, he has his Nissan place down the road and he has his special Nissan Moundy Thursdays where you can get uh, up to 2000 uh, off the down payment and you get a 3% APR for 18 months. Yeah. So thank you to... Uh, Nissan Moundy and Moundy Joe uh, for sponsoring this episode of the Great American Scream. It's yeah. uh, really great to have her support. Um, it was on Thursday the 13th of Nissan Moundy Thursday. Uh, in the Christian calendar, that's the Thursday before Easter, so the day before Good Friday. Um, apparently they all have names the days before. We only really start saying them on Good Friday. Um, it, I think maybe we call it Holy Thursday because we don't want to call it Nissan Moundy Thursday. Well, yeah, because then... Moundy Joe would have our ass in copyright court. Yeah. Um, there was also a 1907 novel called Friday the 13th about a stockbroker that takes advantage of the superstitions surrounding the date to create a Wall Street panic. Um, ah. Made it especially superstitious around stockbrokers and people that work in Wall Street uh, to the point where a lot of stockbrokers like don't work on Friday the 13th uh, if they, I don't a lot know. of them don't work, period. But <laughs> I was going to say, sure. like, I don't know what their work schedule looks like. Um However, in Spanish-speaking countries and in Greek culture, Tuesday the 13th is considered the unlucky day. Uh, in Italy, it is Friday the 17th, uh, with 13 actually considered to be a lucky number. Uh, in Chinese culture, four is the unlucky number, as the Mandarin word for four sounds very close to the Mandarin word for death. I actually um, knew so, that one. There are some hotels that don't have floor four on them. Yep. I do love, and it's something that happens a lot, uh, I think on this podcast, we're just... <laughs> Because we're exploring different cultures and we hear different phrases uh, that we're not used to, but are so close to phrases that we have. Because Friday the 17th is such a funny phrase if you're thinking about it in a spooky way. Yeah. Like, oh, when are you planning on seeing your grandmother? Friday the 17th? Ooh. <laughs> like, just doesn't have the same kick. Uh, but there has been, like yeah, like you said, a big social impact of this. Uh, like we said, many high-rise buildings skip floor 13 on elevators or they'll label it as something else. Uh, many ships and cruise liners also do the same for deck 13. I think uh, I went on a cruise last, not last summer, the summer before. Wow. The summer before. And that ship did not have a 13th deck. It was called something else. According to a 2015 poll, only 9% of buildings in New York that have 13 or more floors have a 13 call button on elevators. Wow. Only I, 9%. I like, okay, so this to me is a bit different than the phobia thing. Like, I, I get, I get this, right? Like, I understand. I don't like, it kind of skews me out when I 
when I have to do certain things that I think are superstitious, especially in New York and especially working as like an actor where we're all about superstitions because our whole profession is a little bit fake. And uh, but like it's such a it seems like such an administrative hassle, like to skip for like, 13. If you're going if you're a firefighter and you're going to a burning building and they're like they're on floor 15 and you're like, OK, and you start to push the ladder up to the 15th floor up and they're like no idiot go one down <laughs> and it's like this doesn't make any sense yeah yeah people i, mean, I guess in those circumstances but it had like people like uh i don't include the studies in here but people have been shown like not to want to rent rooms on the 13th floor or stay at hotels where they're on the right. 13th floor right but it is the thing. 13th like math doesn't math care. it is the 13th floor but if you don't call it 13 it doesn't count <laughs> But it's still the 13th floor, even though it's called the 14th floor. Like, math doesn't care. Um, <laughs> math is a cruel mistress, and she cares not. According to the Stress Management Center and Phobia Institute in Asheville, North Carolina, an estimated 17 to 21 million people in the United States are affected by a fear of Friday the 13th. Uh, many avoid taking flights, driving, or even leaving their homes on this day. I will say, like, I don't even think of Friday the 13th. It's like, like, usually it's a pretty lucky day for me. I would still be a little skeeved about taking a, fri- a flight on Friday the 13th. But that's also because I'm afraid of flying. So, yeah, that uh, could be like- why. I'm trying to be the straight man here or whatever the thing, but I don't think I would take a flight. See, <laughs> like I like genuinely system yeah. two is at it again. Like I, God I, dang I, you! I, I love Friday the Thirteenth, my favorite days of the year. But I think also because like whenever because when my fear of flying acts up, I want to make sure that like all of my bases are covered and I'm in a absolutely like best possible case scenario for flying. So I Wait, think what? being oh, on Friday you, the Thirteenth. You mean, you mean in any flying? I thought you. I thought you were saying that if you were going to fly on Friday the 13th, you would have no, to in any sure flying circumstance, safe, which I really like because imagining you like kicking the tires and like <laughs> going and checking and making sure that the pilots haven't had anything to drink or whatever. That's just very good. Yeah. Um, so let's also talk about black cats, because I think that's another huge one, especially in the United States. Um Black cats in general are considered unlucky, although it's mostly the idea of a black cat crossing your path often specifically cited as the uh as bringing bad luck yeah Um, i grew up with a black cat and i never understood i always thought it was crossing the path i mm -hmm. never like not until i was like a teenager slash adult did i know that people just thought black cats as a whole were unlucky like that's wild that's the whole part of a species that you're just (laughs) writing off yeah um in celtic and scottish mythology cats were sacred uh, but in Scottish mythology, specifically, a black cat arriving at your new home signified prosperity and health. So this is English propaganda. <laughs> well, yes, because the association of black cats being bad luck is because they were thought to be familiars of witches or shape-shifting witches themselves, which really started when the pilgrims arrived at Plymouth Rock. And with that, bam, I've made a connection to Thanksgiving this week. I didn't think <laughs> that did we it. could. I didn't you think did that it. we would be able to involve Thanksgiving this week's episode, but I did it. But also, those dang pilgrims, they cause so much trouble. They did. It's really bad. We <laughs> so, shouldn't have done that. The, the, when the pilgrims arrived, they brought with them a devout belief in the Bible and a suspicion of anything that could be associated with Satan. We've all seen the witch. We know. Uh, as they believed black cats to be associated with witches, anyone caught with a black cat in these early settlements was severely punished or even killed. Y'all, <laughs> there's a lot of, I've been uh, watching a lot of 
And again, don't come for me. I've been watching a lot of like bread tube content on YouTube. I know some people don't like them, whatever. But the amount of things in other cultures and even predecessor cultures to uh, Judeo-Christian culture, specifically Christian culture, that have just been stripped of nuance and associated with just Satan is so wild. Like black cats are there. I'd like to specifically shout out my boy Hades because that guy was never an antagonist in Greek mythology. It was always Poseidon because he's a crap dude. (laughs) And it's so weird to go back and realize how much stuff was just normal stuff. And because of Satan, it all turned dang sour. Yeah. Um, And as a result of the suspicion, which has kind of like been still relevant to today, um, black cats are actually way less likely to be adopted from shelters than cats of other colors. Some shelters even have to suspend the adoption of black cats around Halloween uh, out of fear they'll be used in mischief night, tomfoolery or abandoned after the holiday is over. Um, However... This is a cool fact I found while I was researching. Uh, the release of Black Panther in 2018 was followed by an increase in black cat adoptions from shelters um, as people, when they went to go adopt a cat, were inspired to adopt them and name them after characters in the movie. Oh, that's neat. I know. I like that a lot. So if you are considering adopting a cat, consider a black cat. I hear they're really lovely. Yeah. And sometimes they turn brown in the sun, which is cool. Consider a black cat and consider an older cat. A lot of yeah. older cats get uh, abandoned and they need a they need a place to be older. And best part about getting an old cat is that a lot of places will not let you adopt a kitten unless you adopt a pair or you already have a cat. So life hack, adopt an older cat, make sure the cat is very happy and healthy in your home. And then you get to adopt one kitten and then you don't have to deal with two kittens at once. You only have to deal with one kitten. Then the the cycle, the cat singularity is achieved and you just can continue the cycle. When that kitten gets old, you adopt another kitten. <laughs> always have two black cats in the house, always 10 years yeah. apart in age. So I want to finish this off with uh, theater superstitions because this is kind of in uh, mine and Devin's wheelhouse uh, because the theater is an insanely superstitious place. Yeah, because our it's all fake. Because it's all fake. And boy, howdy, are there a lot, a lot of theater superstitions. Like, I didn't even cover all of them. Like, I didn't talk about not wearing green in your dressing room. That's a big one. Oh, or having yeah. green in your dressing room. Um, but, like, Devin mentioned Macbeth, so we'll start with that. Um, slash the Scottish play, because Shakespeare's Macbeth is supposed to be cursed. And it's bad luck to speak the play's name in a theater. You are supposed to refer to it as the Scottish play. Unless you are performing it or else bad things will befall your production. Now, I believe if you're referring to the character, it's fine. But. Right. People differ. And there are some places that will make you call him like Mac or or and Lady M. Mm -hmm. And there's also like we were talking about the association with, with witches and what Shakespeare play has the most prominent witches. This one. Yeah, and so maybe that's, that's why we do the probably one thing. of the places. Yeah, that's probably one of the places that it comes from. The other uh, kind of reason why people may think this and it's also place English cur- propaganda. Because it is Macbeth also English propaganda. Was a real Scottish king who was actually not that bad, and he ruled like safely and prosperously for like thirty years, and then uh, Malcolm or Duncan or whoever the hell succeeded him. So this is all English propaganda and it's all bad. Scottish independence. If it's not the witches thing, another thing that people, a reason people might think this play is cursed is because uh, this play is a lot of onstage violence and fighting and stage combat. And 
probably right. a bigger likelihood for injury when you're performing it. <laughs> and so a very bad fight director 200 years ago, that somebody got killed in a production and he was like, it's a curse. Yeah, exactly. I, this is probably just one dude who was not a certified fight director and yeah. <laughs> to go, oh no, it's the play. Um, if you do say Macbeth in a theater, uh, you often have to complete a ritual to remove yeah, its curse. Yeah, what was yours? Uh, yeah. Well, it varies regionally. Mine, I think, was pretty close to this. Um, most of them were some variation of going outside, spinning around, spitting, cursing, and then knocking on the door to come back in. I think that's basically what mine was. I think you would just scream at one point instead of curse. I don't remember, but that's oh, yeah. kind mine of what was. Oh, yeah, mine was just turn around three times and spit. Yeah, uh, spitting is usually involved. Did we have anything specific at the Renaissance Fair? Because that whole dang place is a theater, so how? I don't know. I th- and we said Macbeth all the time there. Yeah, we did. Um, Maybe I think that's we were why. okay. I Maybe think that's why you have stuff. to you have to be in a build the theater building. Right. And the Renaissance Fair is in a building. It's an experience. It's an outdoor interactive experience. <laughs> now, uh, another very popular theater superstition is wishing a performer break a leg instead of good luck. So it is considered bad luck to wish a performer good luck before a performance. You must instead say break a leg. Now, there's a lot of exciting origin stories from this one. The real reason is not as kind of like whimsical and fun. It probably comes from a Yiddish German phrase that came into American speech when Jewish immigrants started entering the American entertainment industry after the First World War, which is still cool. But yeah, it's that's not actually as, the cool. Like, that's the coolest one. Yeah, it's not as um, uh, whimsical as right, some of the other ones are. It's like cool and neat and, yeah. and cool. Uh, The other one that I hear a lot that is less likely but still possible is that uh, it comes from the leg line or uh, the often invisible but sometimes marked line that separates on stage from off stage in the wings of a theater. So back in the days of vaudeville variety shows, uh, producers would book hundreds of acts a night with the full knowledge that not all of them would go on. It was just kind of like if the audience liked you, you got to keep performing. If they started booing you, you were done. So tons of acro book every night and with no guarantee they'd go on and get paid. So if you were a performer and you broke the leg line, so you passed over uh, oh. the leg line on stage, you got paid no matter how long you performed for. So they would wish each other to break a leg, therefore meaning that you got paid that night. I don't remember where this came from. It might have been at my high school, but our story was that you wanted the performance to go so well that you got called back out for an encore or a, and you break a leg from bowing so hard <laughs> or that you have passed the leg line so much that you physically break the leg okay. like the curtain um, oh god which it. one of our performances for mary poppins which is probably our high school's like most successful production of the past 10 years uh the sets were giant rolling uh sets of of the bedroom and the rooftop and stuff and during the finale, we were pushing the rooftop back behind backstage and we broke one of the legs and we were like, we broke a leg. We did yeah, Mazel. Like, uh, there's yeah. also another one that says that in the early days of, of theater, and by like early days, I mean, of modern theater, it's so like the early 1900s, uh, understudies would wish oh, of uh, that they're the main players would break a leg Uh as a wish of good luck, because then that meant they got to go on. Yeah. Uh, but it's most likely that Yiddish German phrase. Yeah. And now we just say break legs, which I like, because yeah, it does too. it does it does conjure an image of you like walking around the audition room, <laughs> bashing legs in. Yeah. Um, professional dancers wish each other luck by saying merde, which is yeah. shit in French. Uh, and sometimes there's also mucha mierda, a lot of shit in Spanish. 
Um, it's typically, no matter where you go, it's some negative wish or some curse word instead of saying yeah. good luck. Which is just very actory. Yes, it is. And uh, finally, I think my favorite theater superstition is that of the ghost light. Um, so the ghost light, it's uh, the superstition that you should always leave one light burning in a theater in order to ward the ghosts away, even when nobody's there, um, because theaters are very haunted and a totally dark theater will attract ghosts. This is also one is very practical because it's also meant to make sure nobody enters a dark theater alone and trips over seats, props, rigs, etc. So right. uh, when you finish a show at the end of the night or at the end of a run or whatever, no matter uh, what you packed up, you always leave the one rolling. It's like a, a like a lamp on a stick. Uh, yeah. You always leave that uh, in the middle of the stage so people can uh, see in the dark when they enter the theater the next day, which is lovely. Yeah. One last wild uh, Devon's High School theater story. OK. Uh, we didn't have a ghost light until the end of, I think, actually Mary Poppins, uh, because our director knew that there was a ghost and his name was Don Romay. And he was one of I, if he wasn't the first, he was one of the prior music and theater teachers at our high school. And so she for a long time just thought that if she put a ghost light there, that Don would think that he wasn't welcome there anymore. <laughs> and she was very superstitious about pissing him off like she kept a rug on her window that was his the whole time. Like it never moved and you couldn't touch the rug. This is kind of the plot of the Phantom of the Opera a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, but then we figured that Don knew that the ghost light was for other ghosts and not him. Okay, it was Don's yeah. ghost light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the end of the superstitions that I want to talk about. Of course, we barely scratched the surface. There are thousands of uh, of cultural superstitions out there <laughs> i don't know why i'm laughing really hard because i liked the idea of me just saying that's it and that being the end of the, the, podcast. End of the show <laughs> no outro uh but no this has been the great american scream thank you so much for listening uh if you liked this episode or the show in general please share it on social medias uh rate and review it on itunes follow us on spotify and the best way to spread the word about the show, as always, is to tell a friend about it. If you really, really enjoyed and you have some money to spare, we understand it's hard for a lot of people and getting harder every day. Uh, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash greatscreenpod. There's tons of tiers available with different rewards, including early access to episodes and suggesting episode topics. Actually, next week's episode has been suggested by Patreon patrons. It's going to be a Slender Man special. Woo. So get ready for that. Thank you, patrons. Thank you. you said tons of tears. My brain went, yeah, my tears, Devin's tears. <laughs> <laughs> the man in the field's tears when you can't see him. Uh, can you pimp our social medias, please? Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook at The Great American Scream or on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Um, send us your... Are you superstitious? Let us know. Uh, send us your favorite superstitions and uh, maybe some weird ones that you might have uh, you can tweet at us or post using the hashtag tgas and again if there's something that you want to hear about on the show feel free to tweet it at us uh, because your suggestion may become the subject of a future episode yes special thank you goes out to michael segudo for doing the intro to this podcast as well as stevie viola who does the intro and outro music you can check him out on twitter and youtube also a thank you goes out to our wonderful patrons so thank you to eric casper brie gail Joyce, Brucker, Melinda, and Chris. 
Yeah. And before we go, uh, I want to uh, make sure that since we're getting close to the holiday season, uh, our friends who work in the Orlando theme park industry, uh, still really hard for them. Thousands of them still not back at work or laid off permanently. If you would like to help out, please check out Cast Member Pantry on Facebook. You can donate to them directly if you live in the Orlando area or you can donate to them on Venmo at Cast Member Pantry. All of their information is on their Facebook page. Uh, please consider giving and helping them out if you uh, can this season, especially as a gets closer to Christmas um, because they're the hardest working people in the world and uh, they deserve some help. Yeah. And a lot of them were not paid enough before and they deserve not only our help, but the the help of of many. So Mm -hmm. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked. Now go out and turn around three times and spit and curse (laughs) and knock on the door. Just do it safely. 